Hello and welcome to today's Q&A episode where I will answer questions about fasted training, muscle glycogen recovery and how to fuel for performance. So stay tuned. But just before we get to this, let me tell you if you have any questions you would like me to have answered, post them down in the comments below or directly to my email. You will find it in the description or questions at www.weiss.eu. I'm looking forward to them. Let's get to the question. So today's question comes from an endurance athlete, a runner, team, and there are quite a few misconceptions in his question that I can sense. And, and these are some of the things that I fell for originally when I started running. So they are related to fasted training through glycogen replenishment and, you know, putting it all together. So let's unravel it one by one. So my body can regulate my blood sugar by either depositing or drawing from my glycogen stores. Here is one important thing to note, and that is that uh, there is a difference between glycogen stores in the muscle and glycogen stores in the liver, because the glycogen that is stored in your muscles, it's there. You are not moving it anywhere else to your body, so it does not get into your bloodstream basically it is used within the muscle in the cells within the muscle however glycogen from the liver is used to fuel your body and to provide the glucose for your brain heart other tissues and to st stabilize your blood sugar during activity it is also important to note that whether you are sleeping or exercising or eating or digesting the food what's happening is that your body wants to maintain a stable blood sugar levels and we will talk about this more today because this is like the stepping stone basically the what the whole fasted training promoters are building their argument on so when i'm right uh when i'm fasting do i enter ketosis or is my body converting fat to sugar well basically it's like not one or the other your body is always burning fat and sugar but what is important to understand is what is the rate so in a ketosis your body will be preserving the sugar it will be using it so because it doesn't have it it will be trying to preserve it it will use it only for those things that are really necessary so for example if you start sprinting or you know exhorting yourself if you are in a very stressful situation and to fuel your heart and brain but besides that it will be predominantly using fatty acids ketone bodies and the glucose will be about just this 10% of the energy because what our body cares about is energy and energy can be created from either these fatty acids ketone bodies or glucose but these proportions are what are important so in the end of the day there are different mechanisms like hundreds if not thousands that are involved in all of this but what we care about as a let's say as a practitioner or you as an athlete is what is the outcome of all of these processes so we this is a, a big caveat or huge 
mistake when people look at one certain mechanism and they are building either their argument or uh, their whole logic based on one or two mechanisms while you know we have hundreds or thousands of these mechanisms that if you change one you will change the whole it will have a cascade effect on everything else so this is important to understand so getting back to your question uh, if you are fasting do you enter ketosis well this depends like how long you have been fasting and what is your availability of glucose so you can be fasting as a normal person or what is most used is 16-8 fasting schedule and during that schedule when you fast for 16 hours you are not entering ketosis <laughs> anytime soon so you would need about three days but you can quicken that process by uh, doing high intensity exercises that deplete your uh, glycogen stores in essence you are forcing your body to switch to an alternate fuel and that is your stored fat and start producing ketone bodies so even if you deplete your glycogen stores your body during that basically the keto adaptation is about uh, your body becoming better at using fatty acids but also at about producing ketone bodies and this switch takes a certain amount of time so within three to seven days it should be uh, you should undergo that switch so just because you are fasting every day and basically if you are eating carbohydrates every day you are probably not most likely you are not in a ketosis when you are running in a fasted state is your body burning fat directly or indirectly and we are getting back to that question about about metabolism how metabolism works and in context of exercise so what we are concerned about is how body produces energy and that is ATP it's the energy unit or adenosine triphosphate that is what our cells use so this is the energy currency in the cells and it can be created from intramuscular fat so fat within your muscles it can be created from fatty acids uh, from ketone bodies from glucose from glycogen you know there are several ways how to do this so our body is really great survival machine that is why we have all these different ways how to create energy for ourselves to function not all of these ways are equal in a rate for example to produce energy from fat or from fatty acids it requires oxygen and it also requires a longer time to create it so that there are many more steps in the process compared to glucose metabolism which can be produced without presence of oxygen and that is also why it is predominantly used as a fuel during high intensity exercise so the primary driver of how much glycogen you would use compared to or in relation to fatty acids during exercise 
is the exercise intensity. And this is due to the differences in how rapidly energy can be created from oxidizing uh, glucose relatively to free fatty acids. So once again, as we are ramping up the intensity of the exercise, it doesn't matter how fed adapted, how fasted, or I don't know what you are, you will inevitably uh, cross that threshold where you will start burning much more glucose than you are using uh, fat. And that is simply because as the, as the result of the intensity. If you don't have sufficient glucose to support that, your intensity will drop. So imagine like if you start sprinting, you can sprint for like 10 seconds and that is like phosphocreative energy system. But then maybe if you go a little bit slower, you can maintain that effort for let's say one minute or two minutes. And then what happens again, you need to slow down. Uh, if you can uh, do extend this to 20, 40 minutes, Again, you are going slower, but you can maintain it for this 20 or 40 minutes. But then again, you will slow down until there is this threshold where you will be able to maintain that effort for almost uh, unlimited amount of time, or at least it feels like that. And that is when you are using mostly fat as fuel. But this rate, even in like well-trained endurance athletes, like at about 60 to 65%, right? So as a result of the training, you are pushing how much fat you can burn, whether or not you are in ketosis or fat adapted or whatever, uh, regardless of your nutrition, let's say. But you will be still burning carbs in relation to that activity intensity. It's just that your fitness level gets higher and higher so you will be able to run maybe faster but relatively speaking relative to your effort relative to your intensity you will be still within that range like at about this 70 percent threshold when you when your body will start using predominantly uh, glucose and if you continue fasting after your run with your glycogen stores and blood sugar return to normal by drawing my fat stores and generally how long does this take so this is an excellent question when it comes to recovery because recovery is about repairing muscle and replenishing glycogen stores but also maybe calming your body and replenishing energy let's say for your other systems in your body to work properly. So the huge mistake in the fitness and sports nutrition related community, I guess, is that they are mainly concerned about muscle and muscle reparation, glycogen replenishment, and they are forgetting about all the other important aspects our body consists of. So we have other systems one of them is immune system so you can have replenished your glycogen stores you can have repaired your muscle but your immunity your immune system can be still suppressed so do we 
completely forgetful of that. That is why we need to give our body what it needs, the fuel it needs, the energy it needs to support that. Let's not forget about this. And then we have also other systems that I'm not going to dive deeper into it. But what I'm speaking about is relative energy deficiency. And you can find more about this in the podcast episode with Matt and with Tina Gorshek. So check them link down below. Getting back to your question, after faster run, will my glycogen stores and blood sugar return? As we said, the glycogen, uh, blood sugar is tightly uh, regulated and it will stay at about the same level. But glycogen replenishment is the main thing that is spoken about within elite endurance athletes. So we are not really concerned about the glycogen replenishment within people who train, let's say, once a week or two or three times a week. But uh, the more often you train, and regardless of the intensity that you train, muscle glycogen replenishment becomes bigger and bigger issue. So if you train or exercise or compete two times a day, you need to be really mindful about what you eat and to maximize that glycogen replenishment. So we want to be eating low glyce, uh, sorry, we want to be eating high glycemic foods that will aid that glycogen replenishment and they are fastest to absorb and the fastest to incorporate. As you can see, nutrition can be really confusing even for those who are very well educated. There are a lot of misconceptions and nuances in the space of nutrition, fitness and health. And for that reason, I've devoted my life the past 10 years to creating resources that you can grab for free at my website. You will find there blogs, podcasts, videos, but also free guides that will help you with your nutrition. So go check them out. My second offer to you is a free 15 minutes consultation during which I will help you to find what it is that you should be doing to get unstuck or to level up your nutrition game. So there are many things that you can do, but you will get the best benefit if you just pinpoint that one specific thing and focus on it. So I will help you to do that. Go schedule the call at danwise.eu forward slash call. Spaces are limited. So growth hormone is produced only when I'm sleeping and this is the time that my muscles are being uh, repaired and grown. So is the timing of protein intake not important at all? As long as I get enough protein to digest and absorb it before I sleep? And how long will it take my digest me to digest and absorb the protein from, let's say, tofu, nuts, peanuts, so all the amino acids, these are the building blocks of protein, uh, are available for muscle repair and growth. And this goes back to my question about continuing my fast after run. My thoughts are, as long as my body can restore my blood sugar and glycogen from my fat stores and I don't need protein until before I go to sleep, I don't need to break my fast soon after I run. I can continue fasting up until the point that I need to start taking the protein to digest it in time for when I go to sleep. So as we already discussed, um, 
your glycogen will be restored from the carbohydrates that you eat even like in a ketogenic diet when you have like 50 grams of glucose it will go to support your brain first but then it will be if your glycogen stores are being depleted uh, the body will prioritize to use those carbohydrates any extra glucose to store it as a glycogen for later because this is what we need right so the thinking behind that is if you had to really uh, run from a lion in nature or something like that you want to have that, those glycogen stores uh, there because this is readily available fuel for your body for your working muscle it's not going to wait for for your fatty acids so stored fat to be released in form of fatty acids then go through Krebs cycle several times to produce <laughs> glucose also that this can happen right so very very inefficient way so we, uh, our body as i said is a great survival mechanism and it will do anything to help us survive and that is not always optimal for your body composition it's not always optimal for your long-term health and it is not all it is often not optimized for your sports performance so your body is optimizing for survival if you eat once a day or once a week it will optimize survival if you eat six times a day it is still optimizing for survival so just think about it this way it helps a lot of people to understand if they uh, if you put it into that context so how fast the protein will be uh, digested and absorbed there is a rate limiting factor because uh, our digestion needs to work it needs to break down those proteins into amino acids and then it needs to incorporate that into the muscle and other systems immune system enzymes and so on or, or maybe even tissues like cartilage in context of sports nutrition so when we consume a lot or a huge amount of protein it will slow your digestion so these amino acids are broken over a longer period of time so if you eat let's say 10 grams of protein in a meal or 100 grams the rate of digestion will be different having said that that is also why we want to not have these huge meals huge protein feedings let's say to save it up before you sleep because uh, first it would interrupt your sleep but let's say even if it was for uh, breakfast if you had like only one meal a day for breakfast in that case you are still digesting it over probably six seven eight maybe even 12 hours i don't know exact numbers this is just to i'm throwing just numbers here uh, but when it comes to muscle repair and athletic performance and the muscle building specifically we need to provide a stimuli to the body 
and that is what we are concerned about. So one way how we provide that stimuli is by giving the protein and specifically the amino acid leucine, which is the signaling molecule or signaling amino acid for the body to build muscle. And what we are concerned about is not about one huge spike, but several small spikes. There is however a minimum threshold, which is at about two to three grams in a meal. So we will need this amount of leucine to signal the body, okay, build muscle, increase that protein muscle synthesis. And to do that, you need certain amount of protein. And that is why we recommend like at least 25 grams of protein. But this applies for uh, whey protein that is very rich in uh, amino acid leucine. In plant-based like tofu or rice, I'm not sure about tofu right now, but with rice protein, so isolated rice protein, it would be about 40 grams. So that tells you, you would need to get more protein to give that body that signal to stimulate muscle growth. Muscle repair, muscle growth, and muscle breakdown, they happen at the same time, like all the time throughout the day. But what we are concerned about is that proportion between muscle breakdown and muscle reparation. So if we take it just from the perspective of one day or 24 hours, uh, what we see is like, if the dominant signal here is muscle breakdown, doesn't matter like how much protein you get in that one feeding and uh, during the sleep when the growth hormone is the highest, doesn't matter. You are providing the same amount of building blocks, but you are limited by the time that it takes to incorporate. Imagine that amino acids are the building blocks, building materials. You are building a house and the workers are the processes in your body that needs to happen to build or repair muscle. You are limited by the number of workers. You can always add more materials, but you can add more workers. So if in the evening you give them a, like a lot of material, now they can build that house but then they are waiting all day long till the next evening to again be supplied with the material they are just you know waiting there smoking drinking or i don't know what they would do they cannot build or repair anything so wouldn't it be better to just give them enough material throughout the day like having that steady stream so they can be building and repairing that building all day, like working 24 hours a day. And th that's the main idea. We also know that eating protein, we don't eat only protein, we eat food. And food contains a combination of protein, carbohydrates, fiber, water, fat, and fiber and fat also slows digestion so this will also slow the release of amino acids okay and when we are thinking about it protein and carbohydrates together also 
increase they have synergistic effects so they improve um, muscle protein synthesis or muscle growth muscle repair rate compared to protein alone there is another thing and this is especially important for endurance athletes or people who train multiple times a day or maybe compete multiple times a day why we want to give the muscle fueling right after the training it is because right after the training right after we deplete some or all of the glycogen stores it is when our muscles are the most sensitive to uptake of new glucose and store it as the glycogen and this is within two hours so if you wait after your training until you know like three four five hours later or whatever and then you give it a lot of glucose again like let's say much more uh, food much more glucose at one time of course your body will use it but it will not be prioritizing storage storing it in the uh, form of the glycogen because also it will have already created or restored some small portion of the glycogen uh, maybe from fat from broken muscles and so on so guys the big picture here is let's not reinvent the wheel let's not try to scratch our head you know or scratch our ear over the head the basics of sports nutrition are eat three to five meals diversity of food eat a relatively high carbohydrate diet that would be like about 40 to 65 percent even to 70 percent of carbohydrates and you know see what works for you but give it also the energy when you need it once again i mentioned relative energy deficiency and there is an emerging evidence that shows that giving your body let's say glucose carbohydrates when your body doesn't need it so maybe uh, in the evening when you are not active but being energy deprived uh, when you are training hard it still has negative effect on your body so give your body what it needs when you need it prioritize nutrition around your training and don't fall for those practices that are really suboptimal at best and even hurt athletic performance of athletes over a long period of time when they are practiced that way such as fasted training or eating one meal a day and such hope this helps if you want to learn more then check also all the resources that i've linked down below in the description you will find a lot of interesting things i will also I would also like to invite you to check all my guides, including two-week high-protein meal plan for vegans and also all the amazing interviews and blog posts I have created over the 10 years that I started my website. You can find them at danweiss.eu, link is in the description. For the guides, check danweiss.eu forward slash guide 
If you have any questions or comments, you know what to do. And if you like this video, you know what to do. Like, share and subscribe.